All right, folks, March 8th, 2023. It's a pleasure to come to you guys today. Decided to just fire up the live stream, see what we can make happen. All things considered, I appreciate everyone in the community for reaching out, all the support, all the prayers, all the love that you guys have been sending. Uh, just thank you guys so much, okay? And so I'm just going to get right on into it. Straight to the business here today, we have an XRP Clarity Pump coming in, potentially, okay? I didn't want to clickbait it completely, so I put the little question mark. We're going to ask the question. We're going to take a look at the charts, okay? And a uh, full update on the news to current events. Uh, big update on the Ripple lawsuit, so we're going to get straight on into that. Jerome Powell testifying. Much has been happening, okay? Let's take a look at this thing closely. Taking a look at coin market cap right now, we have Bitcoin trading at 21.9, just broke back below 22,000, okay? And then we see Ethereum at 1,500. 15, Our XRP is up 4% on the day, staying alive. Just touched 40 cents on the day. And I get, you know, I post a little video this morning asking XRP Clarity Pump coming in. And all the haters come in right away. We pump two cents, bro. Chill. I get it. I get it. I understand. I'm here for long term, for the long term as well. I'm not going to be selling at 55 cents. I'm not selling at a dollar or two dollars. I'm right there with you. And we have much, much in store. We're just looking at the pair XRP against Bitcoin, XRP against the rest of the space. The only cryptocurrency that has the real potential right now in the middle of a bear market recession to break away from the rest of the space. The only cryptocurrency really in a serious position to break away from the rest of the space. Now we have Jerome Powell taking the stand and we have a situation here uh, that's pretty interesting because they tell us it's just fine. We're not in a recession. They manipulate the data, change how we calculate the CPI. We get Jerome Powell to finally come in front of the Congress. He should be in front of us every single day. Jerome Powell, right? Should be in front of the American people every single day, giving us an update on this situation. And we should also acknowledge the fact, as I always have to bring up, that we've never had an audit of the Federal Reserve. So what the heck is going on here, Jerome Powell? So we have him speaking yesterday and today, and here's where the data is at. The January CPI was above expectations. The January PPI was above expectations. So inflation coming in on both metrics above expectations. The January CPE rising for the first time since October 2022. And then we have the December and November CPI revised higher in the middle of this time period too. Remember, they changed how they calculate the CPI once again. If you calculated it the way they did back in the 1970s when we got to peak inflation, we would most likely be double these current rates at 6.5%. We tapped out all-time high last year at 9%. Inflation is what they're telling us. And then we have a summary of Jerome Powell's statements from yesterday that the peak rate will be higher than anticipated, that revisions show inflation higher than expected, absolutely. And then we also see minimal deflation in uh, services, decisions to be made by the next meeting. I got to check when that next meeting is. And that we have inflation is going to be bumpy. Okay, These are all quotes here from Jerome Powell's testimony yesterday. And what we have here to break this down simply is it's a pivot from hawkish to more hawkish. The market started to react yesterday. You're seeing that right now. Bitcoin back below 20. I think we saw the Dow take a big hit yesterday as well. And what does Jerome Powell have to say to us? That the only way out for Congress is to raise the debt ceiling. That is the, the advice that Jerome Powell has for Congress to continue raising that debt ceiling. Let's take a listen here. But at the end of the day, there's only one solution that, to this problem, and that is Congress, whatever else may happen will happen, but Congress really needs to raise the debt ceiling. That's the only, only way out in a timely way that allows us to pay all of our bills when and as due. And if we fail to do so, um, I think that the consequences are, are hard to estimate, uh, but they could be extraordinarily averse, adverse and, and could do longstanding harm. But at the end of the day, there's only one solution that, to this problem, and that is... There's only one solution 
Congress must raise the debt ceiling. Let's kick the can further down the road. We're already at about 30, 31 trillion, right, in debt as it stands right now, over 100 trillion in unfunded liabilities, and we're going to completely destroy the value of the dollar and wipe out the middle class in the process, right? It's like the remedy for fighting inflation is recession. And this time it's going to be much worse than in the past as far as the violent correction, which we're already experiencing, right? They raised rates at the fastest pace in history. So we're going to correct at the fastest pace in history. Already $2.3 trillion wiped out in real estate value here in the United States since the June 2022 peaks of the real estate market. We have already topped out. We are correcting rapidly, violently, and we're just going to have to continue to watch. We have Jerome Powell saying here today, giving us a little bit of a solution potentially, talking about the CBDCs and real-time payments. Let's take a listen here. ...to the public very quickly, and I think, you know, a CBDC, I think you're asking whether, whether a CBDC would serve some of that, but a CD, CBDC is going to be years in the evaluation and, you know, uh, I think we can get this into the hands of the public very quickly. And I think we'll have real-time payments in this country very, very soon. And yeah. so that, that's a good thing. It, you know, a CBDC, That's a good thing, Jerome tells us. Whether, that's whether a good a thing. That's fantastic. We'll have them real soon. You know, um, it's almost as if there's just no sense of urgency from Fed Chair Jerome Powell, right? Um, you know, he's just going to pull his levers, sacrifice the middle class of America, and that's just fine because he can tell us that he's bringing inflation down, right? As long as he's bringing inflation down by their manipulated data, they're telling us, admitting that they've revised once again how we calculate CPI, right? There's just no sense of urgency. And the other thing that I'm seeing is he wants to inflict more pain and the entities and the powers that be behind him want to inflict more pain so that they can get that CBDC out. He knows what he's up against in a legal political battle here in the United States against a real CBDC that they would love to have, that they have in other countries. I'm not one that gets all scared about the CBDC. Everything we're already doing is digital. I have nothing to hide. I just want the government out of my business and let me run, you know, let me run my businesses, live my life and take care of my family, please. Uh, that's all I ask for. But what they would really want would be that, that bad CBDC that everyone gets worried about, right? But Jerome Powell and these powers that be know that they can't bring in anything close to that, right? And that there's going to be major scrutiny against the CBDC here in the United States. As you're already seeing Tom Emmer push back, one of the good guys potentially, we're, we're going to hold you to it, Tom. We love what we see, right? But we got to actually make a serious push. The, the, the Republicans that are acting like they're going to come in, hold people accountable and get something done, we are going to be watching very closely. And, and we are praying for this country right now that we can actually get something done. But we are far gone. And the plan that they have, as I'm just telling you and breaking this down, very simple for everyone to understand. They can't usher in their plan without complete sacrifice of the middle class, max pain point hit and achieved. And that, and that means wiping out the middle class. We thought we had trillions of value more in our real estate than we actually do now. right? Compared to last year, we've already lost $2.3 trillion. We're getting brought back down to reality. Same thing happening in the 401ks. How's that program working out? Slaughtered. Cryptocurrency, you can, make a fun, you can make fun, you can mock us. And yes, our bags have been slaughtered even worse. Okay, but we know where this future goes. We know where the future financial system will run on, right? It's distributed ledger technology, and there's only a few real utility coins that actually move the needle and solve these trillion-dollar problems. And we're talking about the future Amazons, the future Apples, the future Googles of DLT technology. And we're picking up these little utility tokens that are needed to run these networks while they FUD us out, while Charles Gasparino makes a joke once again of John Deaton, brings John on the show and first question, you're representing Ripple, right? It's like, what are we doing here, Charles? Let's get caught up to speed, brother. And, and that's the thing is... Charles just doing his deal on Fox News, Fox Business, whatever. They're doing their dance, and we're going to get into John Dean. We're going to get into the legal battle right here in a second here. But I just wanted to you know, go off here for a second on a quick rant. And I'm just telling myself to be careful here. Energies are high, uh, definitely on edge, and just you know, 
ready to get back to work and do something here, um, going, going stir crazy over here. So I told myself to stay calm in this live stream, but so I just want to get the point across, guys. This is the plan. This is the program. Order out of chaos. Middle class. We're going to put you to sleep. Literally. Literally, folks. In the real estate and in the 401ks and it's hitting Main Street and, and, and you're seeing it in the numbers and the data while the mainstream news, while, while the rest of the financial pundits are going to tell you that we're not even in a recession yet. That's a joke. That's a mockery. That's lying to your face. That's using manipulation to 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 just twist reality. While your 401ks get wiped out, while the real estate starts to lose trillions of value, trillions of dollars of value so far just within the last 6 months, 7 months here. I guess we're a few months already. It's crazy that we're already March 2023, right? And I'm just trying to get this point across, folks, is that if we don't have a serious plan to protect our wealth, it's going to get wiped out. If you don't have a serious plan to build wealth right now, you are going to struggle. We are moving into a haves and have-nots society, reality, whatever you want to call it, however you want to break it down, whatever vibe you want to catch, are you going to be able to feed your family is the question. Are you going to be able to build Wealth during this time is the question. Are you going to be able to preserve the little bit of wealth that you got? You might be thinking that you're sitting fine because you have some M's in the bank account, as the kids say. Well, when you take a 20% haircut on the year and you're 65, you're 70 years old, that hurts. That hurts a lot more than my little crypto bag getting smacked 75%. We're talking about little chips on the table. Just a, a, a young guy's trying to build some wealth here. That does hurt, right? But I have 40, 50 years, God willing, to make it up, right? My biggest concern right now is, is for the boomers and the Gen Xers that thought they had a program, that thought they had some wealth, that they did have some M's in the bank account, they were able to take the family on the vacation once a year. I mean, we've had it so damn good in the West, and I'm sorry for ranting on this, but we got to wake up over here, specifically in the United States too, because we've had that reserve currency status, which has given an even better standard of living and um, allowed us to abuse that role, to, to have that privilege while the rest of the world has had to address the debt and the currency crisis sooner in their countries. The chaos is already there in the streets. And I just come to you guys with an absolute sense of urgency here today because just already rolling into the few months of this year, the vibe is heavy, the vibe is strong. And, and like I said, the mainstream is in complete denial that we're even in a recession. It's already being hit nearly a trillion dollars in credit card debt. And I'm already seeing it in my businesses that I run. So, I mean, we've been preparing for this moment for years. Within the way that we run our businesses, within the way that we prepare our families, within the conversations that I've been having for the last decade, this is what we've been preparing for this moment in time. And my mentor calls it the greatest transformation of wealth in world history. But the key thing is, is that it's not just a meme. It's not just the saying. And not everybody's going to win. He says this will be the greatest dislocation of wealth as well. Means the people that thought they had it, thought their program was working out. It was a good time. We were slapping steaks on the barbecue. No more. No more. So it's about waking people up right now, getting people tapped in. How is your program working out? What are we doing right now? If you're looking to get tapped in, guys, we're breaking this down every single day. We're putting in some serious work over in the Discord group, and that's an investment community of like-minded individuals that are tapped in on all the levels that we talk about here on this program every single day, and the stuff that we can't talk about, we break it down and we talk about it over there. We just had a two-and-a-half-hour-long prepping call last weekend. And it ain't for just doomsday crazy stuff. <laughs> this isn't the, the vet that's sitting in the bunker being a prepper. That's not what this is about. This is about people are going to lose jobs this year. I mean, listen to Elizabeth. I got a plan for that. Warren 
hitting that Gary Gens or sorry, sorry, hitting that drone pal so hard with her tough questions, standing up for the people there, Elizabeth. I got a plan for that. She says every interest rate uh, hike that you got, we're gonna lose a million jobs or we're gonna lose two million jobs. What are those people supposed to do? And Jerome, you know, just basically is saying, you know, that some people are gonna have to be sacrificed to bring down inflation. That's basically how he answered that in, in simple terms. And so that's why we prepare is because millions of people are going to be losing their jobs. Everyone gets affected by this thing. Okay. So that's why we had a two and a half hour session breaking it down on why you might stock a little bit for a rainy day. It's not about, you know, the potential. We talk about all the crazy events, the world war that's breaking out, all of that, right? But people are going to lose their job. People are going to have to close their business. Right? You're going to tap out your credit card as America's about to surpass a trillion dollars in credit card debt. So you're not going to be able to swipe the credit card. Maybe you have a little something on the side. Now, God willing, we can be a little bit more uh, better off than that. Hopefully we won't have to go through this, right? But you're seeing right now, middle class America, where are we at? <laughs> What's the vibe out there, right? And I actually have some more shocking data. I've been ranting on, on this point for too long, so I'm just going to get right back into the update. But I have some more shocking data on actual cash on hand. You know how a lot of people are saying, oh, I just I got cash on the sidelines. You guys are hearing me say I got cash on the sidelines, right? Well, when you look at the data in America right now, the actual cash on the sidelines is at a record low. So even, even those of us that are saying, oh, we got cash on the sidelines, we got little little bags on the sidelines. And I'm just speaking in general because the data showing us that cash on the sidelines is at it's one of its lowest levels ever. While the credit card debt about to about to go to all time high or actually it already is already is. All right, folks, <laughs> let's get right on into it, guys. We got a lot to cover here in today's update. We have the central banks of uh, Israel, Norway, Sweden, setting up the central bank digital currencies, right? Or, or setting up a model hub for digital currency payments right here. Central banks of Israel, Norway, and Sweden. We have Jerome Powell telling us that we're gonna get real-time payments very soon. These other countries just moving right on into it. Fast forward. Now we have Amazon telling us that they're making their move as well. Amazon NFTs will be tied to real world assets, okay? Amazon about to make a serious push into this case. Now, we have this from Meta Law Man from Twitter here. We have a shocking new case followed by the SEC. The SEC has just filed a case alleging that selling crypto mining equipment and offering hosting services for the equipment constitutes an investment contract under Howey. Yes, you read that right. Here's what you need to know. The case was filed in a federal court in Utah. Some of the mining machines at issue are Bitcoin AMP miners. To my knowledge, the SEC has never issued guidance formally or informally that even hinted that selling mining equipment could be an unregistered securities offering. Many public companies are doing business in the U.S. today are selling mining equipment and offering hosting services right now. And they have been in the business for years with no apparent complaint from the SEC. But now the SEC's attempt to extend its jurisdiction to sales of mining equipment with no prior warning is just the latest in a growing line of cases where the SEC is attempting to stretch beyond its statutory authority. The overreach is accelerating. Congress needs to act. Note, I previously worked with the lawyers representing some of the defendants in the Utah case. So Meta Law Man, thank you for sharing that one with us. The most recent, extending its jurisdiction by the SEC. Now, on the back of that, we get this. A lot taking place in Congress this week. And a lot having, or, or some of it at least having to do with crypto from Ron Hammond. Problems raised lead to hearings. Hearings lead to findings. Findings lead to legislation. Yeah, you bet. Elizabeth, I got a plan for that. Stepping up to the table for us. Thank, thank, we appreciate you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I make jokes, but uh, it's just funny to watch these politicians stand up and act like they're going to do something here. It is a timely process, but optimism is fairly high for legislation moving as reported by Punchbowl News. Okay, so what we have here, folks, let's take a look at this. Um, we have the one-year anniversary of the White House executive order on digital assets. Ironically, it is the Biden administration's actions on crypto over the past year, which will be under scrutiny in multiple hearings this week. 
Now that committees have been formed and legislative agendas plotted, Congress is off to work, and that is evident by the large number of hearings this week. We're also seeing the reintroduction of various pieces of legislation, the common theme, even bipartisan pushback. Let's touch on the hearings first. Today and tomorrow, Fed Chair Jerome Powell will face the Senate and House. Crypto is not the main theme, rather it is the economy. However, recent policy statements against the banks serving crypto companies will likely come up. Expect CBDCs as well. Another hearing today will occur in the, which committee is this one? Environment and Public Works, the Senate. Environment and Public Works Committee on crypto mining. Yeah, that one. this one took place yesterday. This committee hasn't dived much into crypto, but it is largely compromised of comprised of environmentalists who have in the past been critical of crypto mining. Expect many references to China and New York's approach to mining. Tomorrow, CFTC Chair Benham will testify in front of the Senate Egg Dems. Just three months ago, he was in front of the same committee discussing the fallout of FTX. Crypto likely won't be the dominant theme this hearing uh, since it is a farm bill year, but expect some questions. Additionally, tomorrow, the inspector generals from the CFPB SEC and Treasury will testify in front of the Financial Committee Oversight Subcommittee. So we are looking and expecting for some big things coming out of this one. This one, the Chairman Patrick McHenry, one of the quote-unquote good guys here that we're expecting to get something done. U.S. House's Committee on Financial Services, and um, this is the Oversight Subcommittee. These hearings tend to be more partisan, but expect scrutiny on the administration from Republicans on a number of fronts, including crypto. Thursday will be the Financial Committee Digital Asset Subcommittee's first hearing. So this is a new subcommittee that they made on digital assets, okay? The focus, the Biden administration actions on crypto. While many will focus on the SEC's regulation by enforcement approach, be prepared for many other regulators like the OCC, Fed, and FDIC to be named as well. The timing of the hearing falls on the exact one-year anniversary of the Biden administration's executive order on crypto. While most of the actions were studies on the common theme, uh, was, quote, if Congress doesn't act, regulators will. That mentality isn't setting well with both sides. <clears throat> All right, folks, I apologize for that. Had a quick phone call. Everything is all good. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Thank you so much for tuning in here today. Keep it rolling. Where did we leave off at? Let's find out where we left off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right back in it. So we were talking about Ron Hammond in this uh, DC crypto update here. Let's take a look here. We're going to continue on. So he's talking about this week in uh, DC. The timing of the hearing falls on the exact one-year anniversary of the Biden administration's executive order on crypto. While most of the actions were studies, the common theme was, if Congress doesn't act, regulators will. That mentality isn't sitting well with both sides. The hearing is also timed right when rumors are swirling that Treasury will release significant guidance on the infamous broker definition from the 2021 infrastructure bill, as well as additional reporting requirements for crypto transactions. This will be worth monitoring. Recall, there was significant bipartisan pushback on how broad the language was drafted in the infrastructure bill. That bipartisan pushback was reinforced today when Patrick McHenry and Richie Torres reintroduced the Keep Innovation in America Act with four Ds and four Rs. So a little bit of bipartisan agreement there on the Keep Innovation in America Act, which we love to see. Uh, this is what Congress at work looks like. Problems raised lead to hearings. Hearings lead to findings. Findings lead to legislation. It's a timely process, but optimism is fairly high for legislation moving as reported. Okay, so, right, this process to move legislation may be slow, but those clause, uh, closest to the action, aka the staffers, expressing this much optimism is good. Let's not forget there will be plenty of oversight hearings in the coming months that can act as a check on various agencies. The sheer amount of hearings on crypto may be exhausting for policy folks, but it is a sign of how much Congress is desiring to play a role in this space. This view is bipartisan and bicameral. Apparently, so is the view to have major crypto events on my birthday again. So huge shout out to Ron Hammond. Absolutely. And like we said, problem reaction solution. They are going to use this uh, collapse of Silvergate, the bank that's now collapsed that was servicing all of the crypto exchanges, right? They will be able to use this to say, hey, look what happened to the bank that tried to facilitate, tried to help out the crypto bros, went bust. 
right? This is the perfect ammo that I got a plan for that. Elizabeth Warren needs, right? And company that gets paid off by the Wall Street, right? So it's very simple. If we allow it to, the, the regulators are more corrupt than Congress, right? And can be bought out, I think, e- e- even more so. And we see that through the corruption that's been exposed at the SEC. But whether they're just as equally corrupt or more so, you know, it's a battle of who's the most corrupt in D.C. We also have Congress that has been funded both sides by FTX, right? So they allowed this thing to get out of control. They allowed it to explode and blow up on its, you know, on its own, right? While they accepted political donations and now they can use it as an example for them to come in with the sweeping reforms and with the rules to regulate the cryptocurrency space. The big choke points that they have is the stable coins and then the exchanges and custodians. Okay, so it's the on-ramps, the off-ramps, how you get your crypto, how you get it back to dollars, right? And then obviously a lot of the space also did an ICO, which by the definition of a, you know, the, the how we test. When applied to a lot of these ICOs, it does meet the Howey test. It is an unregistered securities offering. Uh, so, you know, the SEC does have plenty of ammo to go after the space. And they chose quite quite a foe here in Ripple. We're about to get into the update here. Brad Garlinghouse giving us his update on his week in D.C. He says, I'm stating the obvious But the crypto industry at large in the U.S. needs to rebuild trust through both utility and transparency due to FTX, Terra, and more. It's the only way we collectively move forward. The headwinds keep growing with the SEC declaring war on crypto. Chair Gensler continues to harp that firms simply need to come in and register. But the truth is there's no infrastructure in place for a registered token to trade nor any clarity as to what these tokens are. If you want to regulate, then regulate. Put in the hard work to build a framework and set guidance as so many other G20 countries are already doing. The 27 EU member countries can agree on a set of rules with MICA. What's stopping the U.S.? And it's just a great point here by Brad Gullinghouse, right? But Congress finally stepping up. We got some hearings underway. Jerome Powell says that we're going to get real-time payments this year. Okay, we, we know that they have the digital dollar project that's going on. We know that Ripple is a part of that as well. And it's so interesting, right, that, that Ripple's working with the digital dollar project, working with all these other banks and financial institutions outside of the United States that are just buying up $9 billion worth of XRP was bought from Ripple by these institutions and banks that are using ODL in 2022, right? So so that's $9 billion that was bought from Ripple for on-demand liquidity XRP. And, you know, they're using them for internal treasury flows. I'm about to show you at the end of this show, actually, how FOMO pay is actually uh, now part of the clearinghouse over there in Singapore. Big deal. I'll, I'll show you guys more on that as well. But we just continue to see it, it. it's almost like a joke, right? Gary Gensler calling this thing a bridge currency, explaining the utility of XRP. And now we're, we're in a lawsuit two years into this thing. And we are finally getting the breakthroughs, folks. Finally getting the ruling. We got it just two days ago. Judge Torres issues a ruling on parties' motions to preclude expert testimony. Let's get on into the breakdown. So John Deaton says, I seriously doubt that we see a significant delay from here. Could be tonight or in a couple weeks in regards to getting the summary judgment. Okay, so we've been waiting for this motion on the experts. The experts that testified on behalf of Ripple and the SEC, right? We've been waiting to get this. We finally got it from Judge Torres, and now we're waiting for that summary judgment, okay? John Deaton says that we have just a couple weeks to go. I'm going to show you guys here at the end. We're going to take a look at the sticks. XRP is starting to break out against Bitcoin and against Tether as well. Starting a little pump here today up to 40 cents is where we just hit. And Ripple... Looking at this as a victory, along with much of the XRP community and much of the lawyers that are helping to break this down for us, Stuart Alderati, Chief Legal Officer at Ripple. Yesterday's opinion from the court on Ripple and the SEC's proposed expert opinions. If you didn't read all the 57 pages, here we go. Specifically, not only is the SEC's expert on a reasonable expectations of an XRP purchaser struck from the record, but so is their expert who tried to say what caused the price of XRP to change. On the flip side, our experts that explain how Ripple's contracts clearly differ from those in the Howey tax treatment of XRP, not a security, the accounting treatment of XRP, not a security, and currency experts on XRP, 
not a security, are all allowed to stay in. So this is looking to be a major victory for Ripple. And Stuart Alderati says, as we have said throughout, we have always felt confident about our case with each ruling even more so. So we just continue to win. Now, Fred Rispoli giving us his thoughts. He says this, big takeaways. I think the question, did Ripple sell XRP like a security, is going to trial, but there is a chance, about 10% chance, it does not. So most likely, there are going to be parts of this case that do continue to trial. But what we're getting is we're getting clarity on XRP today, secondary market sales. Torres hints at 29, she is strongly considering the Blue Sky's legal argument. Two, the SEC took heavy losses. Ripple took minor ones. Duty's causation opinions were struck, and Ripple's experts are allowed to give unrebuted causation testimony on a reasonable purchaser's expectations. The SEC does have a little causation testimony allowed from expert number three, but Judge Torres even stated how Ripple can attack that. SEC expert number two can't opine about the materiality of important disclosures by Ripple, another blow. Like duty, expert number four cannot testify how his personal experience provides him with a sufficient basis for speculating about how others would behave. Expert number five also cannot give causation testimony. All in all, one of the major elements SEC must prove expectations of XRP purchasers was almost, but not 100%, wiped out. Judge Torres is now giving 50-50 legal questions to Ripple. This is the result of the SEC overplaying its hand and litigating like entitled brats. I love Fred because he always just gives it, gives it to us like that. Not holding back ever. Fred Rispoli, huge shout out. Litigating like entitled brats. Example. SEC experts can't opine on XRP purchaser expectations, but Ripple experts can testify exactly to this from federal tax law and virtual currency perspectives. Judge Torres ruled that Ripple will be allowed to provide evidence of all the uses that XRP has. Didn't the SEC frequently whine that XRP had no other use than speculative investment? Whoopsies. Number five, well, uh, while I think the case is going to trial, I do think that Judge Torres will rule that the SEC has not put forth any substantive evidence that secondary sales of XRP are securities. Don't think she'll rule that such sales are never securities, just that these aren't before the court. This type of ruling would put the burden on the SEC to individually attach or attack each secondary sale. Bask in the glory of the SEC's failure. So once again, the judge might not come out and just downright say that, you know, all secondary sales of XRP are not a security because me and you could put our XRP wrapped into an investment contract that would meet all the prongs of the Howey test and create a security, right? So she's not going to be able to come out and say that in the summary judgment, right? But they will be able to say that that issue is not before the court, which brings us back here to this whole case not even being about XRP being a, a security or commodity in the open secondary markets, but only the Ripple sales, only the sales by Brad and Chris. Those are the only sales that are before a court. Like you said, bask in the glory of the SEC's failure. It looks to me like we're about to get clarity on the secondary market, folks. And this would give the green light for exchanges to potentially relist XRP as well. XRP price starting to move as well. We're going to take a look at that here at the end of this episode. Now, we have digital asset investors summarizing this for us, and I think this is exactly what, how this thing's going to play out here. The SEC versus Ripple predictions from DAI. X, XRP itself is not a security. XRP in the secondary market is not a security. Some past sales of XRP by Ripple are securities. Ripple pays a record fine for that. Like we've been saying, some of those early sales, we don't know. I'm about to show you the next clip here. We have over 1,700 investment contracts from the expert that uh, you know Ripple is relying upon. He brought forth 1,700 investment contracts to show the different type of contracts that Ripple has done with their banks, with their exchanges, with market makers, right? 1,700 different types of investment contracts. Or, or I, sh I shouldn't even call them investment contracts. They're just different types of contracts. Some of them could be defined as a security, Ripple is going to pay a record fine. Some issues in the case go to trial. We never see the Hinman documents. Post-judge settlement, Ripple agrees to seal Hinman documents, assuming judge orders them released. So basically, we get a win-win. Both sides get to claim victory. Gary Gensler gets to parade around like the good guy that protected investors, right? Get collect a record check. 
and Ripple will have clarity going forward on how they can sell XRP, what type of contracts they can do with their partners. And we get proof right here, 1700 contracts, and we're just the wild speculators saying that XRP pre-allocation deals are happening. And that's the thing that we've been saying this whole time, right? <laughs> In our speculation, based off the research that we've done, hours and hours, days of our lives that we've spent dissecting everything there is to know about this little precious XRP, World Reserve Digital Currency, that Ripple has been giving to, you know, in the case of R3, R3 tried to get five billy, ended up settling for one billy, okay? But if just one institution was trying to get five billion XRP, how much XRP are these other institutions and banks and partners trying to get from Ripple? Right here, we have proof of 1,700 contracts. So right here, folks, we look into this. And this was the defendant's offer, the testimony of Alan Schwartz, a professor of law at Yale School and a professor of management at the Yale School of Management. Okay. And he's talking about 1,700 written contracts related to Ripple's XRP distribution. These are contracts related to XRP's distribution from Ripple. 1,700, folks. How about that? How many deals are, are is your crypto project getting done? <laughs> We've been asking the question, how's your program working out? 1,700 contracts from Ripple on XRP distribution. Now, in his expert report, Schwartz organizes the 1,700 XRP contracts into four primary categories. One, contracts by which Ripple transferred XRP directly to a counterparty. Two, Contracts by which Ripple counterparties agreed to sell XRP on behalf of Ripple over trading platforms. That would be the market makers. Three, contracts by which Ripple paid for various counterparty services and XRP provided by Ripple. And that would be deals like R3. And four, miscellaneous contracts that do not fall into the first three categories. Overall, 1,700. Okay? Now, it's, it's just funny to me because I shared this post and this is exactly what I'm talking about right here. I said this, if R3 wanted 5 billion XRP, how much do you think the other 400 banks and financial institutions wanted? What about the 20 central banks that Ripple is in talks with right now? I wonder how much XRP they want, right? These are people that are actually partnered up, being consulted by Ripple, choosing to build their CBDC on the XRP ledger. I wonder how much XRP they want or how much XRP they want pre-allocated to them, how much XRP they want in an options contract. Because we get smarty pants, Mr. Matt Hamilton comes in here, which God bless Matt Hamilton, I love him. I love Matt Hamilton, he's a developer, worked at Ripple, no longer works at Ripple, but he is always trying to, he, he always does a pretty good job of setting the record straight about how the XRP ledger functions. But he asked me this question, can you point to me the legislation that allowed those banks to hold crypto? And I responded to Matt and I said, they don't have to hold it. Options or pre-allocation contracts can be used until regulations are passed. Let's put on our, th our, our critical thinking caps and put this together. And do we need permission to connect just a couple dots here? Oh, wait, we don't need to connect the dots anymore. We have the proof of 1,700 contracts that Ripple used to distribute XRP. And we know from the R3 deal, because it was released publicly, the settlement deal, where they originally wanted 5 billion XRP and they ended up settling on 1 billion XRP. That's just one, one partner, R3. One partner wanted 5 billion. So we put on our th little critical thinking caps. <laughs> Think a little bit ahead here. I, I Thanks for breaking down how the ledger works. Let's understand how real business deals get done too. There's so many different ways to get exposure to an asset without physically holding it, without it not be, without it being on, reported on your balance sheet, as all the smart kids in my comment section want to show me. And I get a guy who stitches me and shows me Fidelity's balance sheet with only 6 million Bitcoin. Who cares? That's the point, is that these institutions haven't made a serious move into this space, but what are they doing? They're doing pre-allocation deals with Ripple. Hey, can you put our name on 5 billion XRP, please? Thank you very much. God bless these guys. Uh, the Ryan, thank you for the 10 spot. Appreciate all you do, Zach. Thank you. Also sending you well wishes and blessings to you and your family during a difficult time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. The support, the prayers, the love has been absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. 
I appreciate all of you guys so much. You're, I, I just thank you. Thank you. May God be with these little developer minds. These guys crack me up, man. They're just funny. Okay. Here we go. Huge shout out to my man, Jimmy Valley. Ask the question right here. And we got to ask these tough questions. How might the doctrine of clean hands apply to the Eastgate speech and the SEC government's attack on the digital asset industry? Do the Hinman, Clayton, and Ginsler have clean hands? SBF knows. And what we're talking about here, right, guys, is the doctrine of clean hands. When you allege fraud, the court is precluded from proceeding until the issue of fraud is no longer present. The court cannot be a party to fraud. That doctrine says that whenever a party who, as an actor, seeks to set the judicial machinery in motion and obtain some remedy, has violated conscious or good faith or other equitable principle in his prior conduct, then the doors of the court will be shut against him. The court will refuse to award him any remedy. So we got a couple case laws that we're talking about right here and we're talking about this fraud at the highest level by our government right the damages have been done is eth going to make it you know probably they've probably paid off enough people even if they have to end up doing a settlement right they'll be able to cut gary a check they'll just do you know another token raise they'll just print more eth they'll just do eth 3.0 and release more tokens to the foundation so they they can pay a fine i mean right it, it, it it's a joke, the corruption that we see, and they try to come at us. Now, they didn't allege fraud in the Ripple versus SEC case. So let's be clear about that, right? But they're at now on this on this good guy, Gary, going on the parade, going on the, the, the killing spree in the cryptocurrency space. And we have to ask the question, do you guys have clean hands? We have to take a look, not just at the SEC, at other three-letter agencies. And this is the type of guy, you know, why I respect Jimmy Valley. He's the guy who's been bringing up these points. He's been uh, someone who's been talking about the claims that we need to be making. He's the one who brought me aware of Article 12, take free rule. You know, what types of claims do we need to be made? Huge shout out to Fred Rispoli for actually filing a class action lawsuit against Coinbase for not giving up our songbird and flair. And this is the whole thing. Once again, the conversation and the rhetoric and the debates that I'm seeing right now in the XRP community is we get the developer types that are telling us, just build. Just build, bro. We would love to just build, right? But we have companies like Ripple that have had to shell out $100 million to be able to just build within the United States. And that's the problem. And that's what's holding back the XRP ledger. That's what's holding back XRP price. I agree. We need more people developing and using the XRP ledger. We can't get that at a major level. We can't get the big institutions and the big businesses and the big banks to move in and build on until we get the regulations and until we get an SEC who's not attacking this ledger in particular is under attack. Every XRP token holder is under attack. Now, God willing, we're about to get this breakthrough when we get that summary judgment and we get clarity on secondary sales, right? This is this is the movement that I think that we're starting to see here. I'm starting to get excited because we should be getting that summary judgment here in the next two weeks. We will win this fight for XRP holders, right? But the question for me is, are we going to be able to save our country? Because this is much bigger than just the XRP community, right? Can we save our country? That's where this battle goes for me and why I get so excited up here. Now, in the middle of this lawsuit, in the middle of getting attacked, don't think for a second that it's stopping the progress of Ripple and don't think for a second that it's stopping the progress of those that are partnered with Ripple and those who are using XRP. In particular, we're talking right now about FOMO Pay, the most recent. And I'm seeing all these Ripple partners that are buying out their competition through mergers and acquisitions. You know, they're, they're getting right now, here we see this one, FOMO Pay is delighted to announce our official membership in the Singapore Clearinghouse Association, a prestigious organization comprising, uh, uh, comprising the Monetary Authority of Singapore and elected financial institutions. And we've seen you know, Ripple and Brad speak on stage, speak with the Monetary Authority of Singapore. We know that they're setting up a hub over there in Singapore, absolutely. And this one was shared to me by Echo, Echo to Truth. 
shares this. Don't forget that FOMO Pay uses XRP for their treasury management and provides QR payments with applications such as WeChat and Alipay. So this isn't just about XRP for cross-border payments, right? This is about XRP for internal treasury flows, treasury management. And now they have officially became a, a member here of the Singapore Clearinghouse Association. Maybe we can have, someone can look up, I'll have to take a look at this, how much settlement the clearinghouse in Singapore is doing there. But this is just absolutely massive. Another Ripple partner in FOMO Pay that's not just partnered up with Ripple, right? Not just using some of Ripple's tech, actually using XRP for ODL and earned internal treasury flows. And then that just allows them with their own supply, they don't have to rely on Ripple to use the XRP ledger. This is why you're going to see more and more institutions acquiring making allocations to XRP so that they don't have to rely on Ripple to use the XRP ledger. Absolutely massive. And it, once again, like I'm saying, all of these partners that we're seeing, it's just one after another. There was announcements last week from MFS Africa. The most recent ODL partner in Africa announcement was made uh, just, just uh, last couple months. But there was an announcement last week about who they were acquiring or they were part of some other group, you know? And and maybe it's just a coincidence, right? That all of the Ripple partners are, are just moving forward, um, you know, just acquiring other companies, acquiring their competition. Bank of America tells us that they're waiting to use XRP for a competitive advantage after the lawsuit, right? So they're just going to flyer, uh, you know, fire it up after this lawsuit is done right? Maybe it's just a coincidence. And we see Ripple continuing to press forward. This is your sign to submit your projects for wave five of the XRP Ledger Grants program by 324. Have any questions? You can join this session on 37. Yep. So that was yesterday that they held that. And this is the grants program and people are complaining about Ripple. You know, uh, I, I see all this, the FUD in the community is at all time high, right? And all these people are complaining, oh, we shouldn't be just relying on Ripple. Well, can we at least give Ripple some credit for a $250 million NFT creator fund that, you know, this is part of it, is, uh, you know, that was separate from this grants program. They're trying to give money to developers that are building on the XRP ledger, but we don't have serious businesses that are being built on the XRP ledger yet. We have little NFTs, little meme coins, little cute projects, little story to tell you. But until we get through this case, until we get regulatory clarity, you, you know, I, I think that it's hindering the serious business types and the serious balance sheets from making allocations to this asset. And so that's the problem. You know, it's like the chicken and the egg. What's going to come first? Everybody wants, you know, we need more people building on the XRP ledger. Well, yeah, we got some guys that are building on the XRP ledger, but it's nothing serious. I mean, I don't try to, I, I don't try to talk about a lot of these projects too much because they don't impress me. And I don't want to be the bad guy that just keeps it real and says that that's not a real business. That's not real utility. That's something cute. You have a nice story. I don't believe in it and I'm not going to invest because even if I just say that I'm not trying to FUD on the project, that's a cute story. Great. I, I, I wish you guys the success, but I say that I'm not making an allocation. I get all these people butthurt about their little token and their little project coming at me. I'm not trying to FUD the project. It's just not something I'm going to make an allocation to. Because I ask the hard questions. I'm looking for real problems being solved that have real value. And we're not going, and that's the problem with these devs. Just build, bro. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting up my money, my resources, and making my time invested into something when I don't know if I'm going to get attacked by the SEC, right? Once again, everybody's been building on Ethereum. They're building on all these other ledgers, which are you know basically failures, barely work. They're down all the time. Networks like Solana, um, gas fees are crazy. I, I mean, they're, they're just a joke to be straight up, right? Where we have an XRP ledger here that does actually work, but now we're getting that additional utility for NFTs. Now we're gonna get smart contracts updated. Now we're gonna get automated market makers and people are mad. They're blaming Ripple that automated market makers aren't on the XRP ledger yet. Well, it's not just... Ripple building on the XRP ledger. And like I'm saying, it's a lot of guys who aren't real business types. These aren't the big companies, the big institutions that are making serious investments into the ledger. This is great. I mean, I love to see, I love to see from the bottom up, right? The little guy who's building on the XRP ledger, building a business. That's fantastic, right? But we can't just rely on Ripple. But who else are we going? I mean, who else wants to sign up for that? 
You're seeing a company in Ripple that's been sued for, and put, had to put up two years of a lawsuit and $100 million. Then this is the other FUD that we've been seeing in the community lately. People talking about how the XRP ledger can't actually handle 1,500 transactions per second. Okay, that's fine. But with side chains, with private layers, Ripple's talked about being able to do hundreds of thousands of transactions per second, okay? And we, we haven't even really, you know, we've started to run, some tests have been ran on the private ledger, and we're also seeing um, the liquidity coming to the XRP ledger slowly, and it's starting to ramp up. We have basically nine times year-over-year -year growth in ODL from 2021 to 2022, so that is massive, right? But we still haven't really actually fired up serious amounts of liquidity on the ledger. But you have to remember that the higher the value of XRP, the more easily you're going to be able to move value. So people are, you know, well, if we can't do 1,500 transactions per second, well, that's what Visa's doing. What, what are we gonna do here? This is a failure. No, <laughs> on the private layers, we can do hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. And I'm about to show you with Interledger Protocol, we can do trillions of transactions per second. You heard me right. That's trillions with a T, TPS <laughs> on, on, on Interledger Protocol, okay? But with side chains, with private layers for CBDCs, Ripple is talking about and touting hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. And you're also talking about the way that this network works, if you have closed off liquidity pools that are not the main net, not the main decks, right? You can easily ramp up that throughput, easily. So there is no limits to the XRP ledger combined with Interledger protocol when you look at it this way. This one was shared here by XRP Crow. And this was a quote by Stefan Thomas. With the technologies we've helped to build at Ripple, XRP, and Interledger, we can process trillions of transactions per second without any central authority. So let me reiterate, we have plenty of bandwidth, right? Now, the liquidity still needs to get built up. The ledger still needs to get built up. There are still limitations to the mainnet as it stands right now. But with the technologies we've helped build at Ripple, XRP, and Interledger, we can process trillions of transactions per second without any central authority. So that's your answer. Let's cut right through that FUD. <laughs> FUD's at all time high. It's a different debate every single week. Every single week, we cut right through the nonsense. These guys are full of it. I, I don't know whether some of them are paid, whether some of them want to pump some other project, whether some of them are just butthurt that you know they're in a tough spot in life and it's a bear market and their crypto's down. I don't know what their story is. And quite frankly, I don't care. For me, I just am going to cut right through the FUD, right through the nonsense. I'm not going to spend hours in the TikTok debates and the Twitter talking head debates, you know, spending too much time with these guys anymore, right? I'll just make a quick video. I'll just talk about it real quick in my live show and it takes us just 30 seconds to cut right through the FUD every single time with every single point these guys have tried to make. These guys are just butthurt. <laughs> uh, it's silly. It's absolutely silly. Let's look at the sticks. Let's look at the TA folks. XRP getting ready to make an absolute move. Right here, we got this one from Crypto Michael, and we're looking at XRP paired up against Bitcoin zoomed out. Look at this chart. He says, if you don't own any XRP, now is the time to buy. Now, I'm not here to give you financial advice. I'm not here to tell you now is the time to buy. I am warning that these exchanges are going to run out of liquidity, in my opinion. Not trying to cause FOMO. Not trying to get you to spend your last $2. Uh, not, not spend your last check here. Uh, and, and starve yourself over the next month so that you can buy some more XRP. I'm not saying to do that. I'm not saying any financial advice, but according to Crypto Michael, he says if you don't any, own, XRP, any, own any XRP, you might want to because we have an estimated breakout time in two to seven days. Now we're taking a look right here, folks, and this is XRP against Bitcoin. When you zoom out here, it does look like we're ready for a massive, massive breakout okay we see here i'm going to show you the xrp bitcoin pair i'm pulling this up on the four hour chart this is the four hour chart kind of zoomed in here xrp against bitcoin you can see that breakout that's a pretty big breakout okay and now i'm going to show you guys we're going to take a look here at xrp tether xrp tether four hour chart 
we're looking. This thing's been pumping. It's been making some moves here, right? XRP does these massive pumps. And so right now we tapped right on up to about 40 cents here today. Okay. Is this another fake out pump? Very well could be. Let's take a look at Bitcoin. This is what they love to do to us. They love to pump and dump us. For Bitcoin, we're sideways. Just chopping sideways. We had here this vertical line right here. It's March 7th. That was yesterday on the full moon. And look at that. We got that bearish energy. We got that dump coming in right on time, right on cue. Absolutely. Called it perfectly once again. We already took uh, profits on our Bitcoin shorts. For those of you who remember, right last week, I forget. You know, I've been on the sidelines now for about a week because we already took profits on our Bitcoin short. Right now, I'm not in any trades. I'm watching this one here closely. Bitcoin chopping sideways. XRP doing a little bit of a run up, starting to break out against that XRP Bitcoin pair. Something to watch here closely. Two weeks to go, according to John Dean, until we get a ruling from summary judgment. Okay. So at any time now, we could start to see this thing move in an absolutely massive way. We could see this thing absolutely tear off here. And I think that we could you know, expect XRP to front run the announcement getting made, right? So if we get an announcement that's favorable in the summary judgment or we get a, you know, a settlement, I do think that we're going to see the XRP price pump beforehand. I, I do think that the insiders will front run that move. Absolutely. And that could be the start of what we're in. I don't know. We are in uncharted territories. And like I said, XRP is the only cryptocurrency at this point in time right now that has the serious potential to decouple from the rest of the space. If we get a clarity, if we get secondary sales, not part of this lawsuit going forward, the rest of the case is going to proceed to trial, but basically exchanges can green light and relist XRP. We have clarity that basically secondary sales, as long as they're not constructed and investment contracts that meet the Howey prong test, you're not going to be selling the security. Me and you trading XRP for dollars out on the open market, not a security, right? So we're going to have that clarity and you could see XRP move violently. If you don't believe me, maybe future will prove past. <laughs> Just take a look here back at XRP back in the previous bull run, 2017, 2018, December into January. We went from about 20 cents all the way up to $3.80 in the matter of a month. A violent move. And the other problem that we have is we have a shortage of XRP, in my opinion. In my opinion. Now, if people want to debate that, they can say that. They can show me that these exchanges still have some XRP. I believe that eventually at some point in time here, I don't know if it's going to be near the summary judgment ruling. I don't know if it's going to be near the settlement of the case. I don't know if it's going to take two or three years after the lawsuit's over. But at some point, I do believe that we run into a supply shock for XRP because people are going to realize that a lot of the XRP and escrow is either not going to be released or dumped onto the market by Ripple. And many of it, much of it is going to be released only to, you know, potentially all of it, just like for the last two years, is only going to get released to partners that are using XRP for utility, right? You also are going to see future allocation deals announced. Yes, we're going to admit that we finally did. Yes, we, we are going to admit that, yes, we do have a billion XRP with our name on it. Ripple is holding it. Uh, we have a line of credit with Ripple right now. There's 1,700 different investment contracts that they cited uh, Ripple's expert. Ripple's experts that they used to you know, basically distinguish their investment contracts and the different types of forms that they had uh, to distribute XRP. They had 1,700 types of contracts. Right, folks, I'm going to show you guys this point because I see the same thing happening with XRP, same thing happening with gold and silver. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe these are the assets that are going to run the new financial system. That's up for you guys to determine. But take a look at this one, okay? We have JC, another 1.17 million ounces of silver depleted from the COMEX vaults today. There simply isn't enough silver to support soaring solar demand. The recent pullback and extreme negativity will only strengthen the impending bull market. It's the same thing. When they do let this thing break out, when the suppression tactics fail, or they no longer keep applying the pressure to suppress these assets, the breakout will absolutely be 
massive. And we're looking at supply shocks. We're looking at vaults at record lows for the London's Metals Exchange. We're looking at the Comet, Comex vaults getting drained from gold and silver. And we're seeing XRP not getting released to the secondary markets, only getting released to the on-demand liquidity uh, partners with Ripple. Only getting released to partners that are using XRP for utility. So what does that mean? That means that their XRP immediately is going to go into their liquidity pools, not our liquidity pools, their liquidity pools. That's going to be part of ODL, right? Ripple is the only, Ripple has set up the only liquidity pool for institutions to use the XRP ledger right now as it stands. Ripple is the only one that set up a liquidity pool is what we'll call it, which is a little, 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 um, just a little portion of XRP to use for on-demand liquidity cross-border payments, right? There's a little portion that they have put over here. Neil Hartner told me in my Twitter space that they're settling $250 million US on a weekly basis right now. $250 million in settlement on a weekly basis. That is not a big pool of liquidity. That is just getting started, right? But if you can think about that, Ripple has their liquidity pool that they've created for institutions to tap into on-demand liquidity settlement with XRP. They have released XRP to other partners that are using it like FOMO Pay, we just showed you guys, is using it for treasury flows, treasury management. That's their own funds, right? And then you're going to see other utility that they're going to use the XRP ledger for. So that is XRP that's not going to be going to the exchanges to be divvied out to me and you for me and you to buy XRP, right? Now, maybe that'll change, but that's part of this whole game that we're trying to figure out. You know, they Ripple could absolutely change up their whole plan. I think that this is absolutely unlikely and the chances of it happening are actually zero, but they could just come out tomorrow and say, okay, we're gonna start flooding the exchanges in the secondary retail markets with XRP, right? And, you know, Every, every month they get their billion XRP from escrow and they could just give it to the exchanges for us to pick up. If you think that that's what's going to happen, uh, pass me what you're smoking because I just don't see that happening in any sort of reality. And why do we know that? We know that because they said, right? They are focusing on banks and financial institutions. They're focused on trillion dollar problems. They're focused on the wholesale level. So they're going to give XRP to the banks and the institutions that are going to service you. You'll be able to hold your XRP at Bank of America. You know, Bank of America will allow you to put up your XRP as collateral for a loan to buy a house, to buy a business, to whatever you want to do. They will be very happy to do so. And I wonder how much XRP has been allocated to Bank of America. Because we know from the Swell Conference, and you go listen to the CEO of Bank of America right now, it's very clear what they're, I mean, they understand what's happening right now. One of the few banks I think that has the potential to actually make it, right? I wonder how much of an allocation that they've made because they're telling us that they're waiting to use XRP for a quote, competitive advantage after the lawsuit is completed. So if they're planning on doing that, I wonder there's two things that they could do here. They could rely on Ripple. They could just set up, you know, different lines of credit, tap into liquidity hub, just let Ripple be the custodian of it or let somebody else be the custodian of it, right? Or maybe potentially they're going to have their own solution to take custody of their own reserves of XRP that they potentially might want to hold, right? Or maybe we're just speculating and that's crazy talk and it's not going to happen and, you know. The 1,700 investment contracts don't prove that XRP has been distributed to many Ripple partners, many banks and institutions and many allocation deals are already in and already done and they've already been signed the ink's already dried on the paper right it's so interesting to me to see xrp how it has done this time and time again it starts to decouple from the rest of the space now it's done this in the past right before we get big dumps so i don't get excited and i'm not here to tell you that this is it guys this is it this is the pump from here. We're 100% going to decouple and we'll be at a dollar next week. I'm not here to say that. I'm just here to say that this thing's ready to absolutely move violently, right? And I'm here to say that as it stands right now, 
the exchanges are not filling up their coffers of XRP because Ripple's only giving their XRP to on-demand liquidity partners. And most of the XRP is getting put back into the escrow for another 55-month time lock escrow, where Ripple won't be able to tap into it for years. So with that, let me take some questions. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, folks, please smash that thumbs up for me. Felt good to come on here, give you guys a little live update, get a little rant in, get a little energy out. God bless you all. I appreciate all the support, all the love, all the prayers that you guys have been sending. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Everything is over at my website, and you guys see the data. You guys see what we're looking at right here. Like I said, another 1.17 million ounces of silver depleted from the COMEX vault today. Absolutely. And we're doing our part to drain vaults. I'm buying more silver. If you guys, what we're doing, we've been picking up big bags of precious metals. And I've been seeing we got been helping people move over their 401k retirement accounts to precious metals as well. So if you guys have a retirement account, if you guys have any sort of retirement savings account that you're looking to move over and make an allocation to precious metals, head on over to my website, get in touch with us, okay? And then if you're looking to have metals shipped directly to you, we can facilitate that as well. If you're having any trouble, just shoot me a message, shoot me an email, that contact page there on my website. Just, hey, hey, Zach, I'm looking to get some silver. I'm looking to get some gold. Help me out here. We'll get you set up with our people, some of the most competitive pricing, and we'll get it shipped directly to your house. Or let's get that 401k retirement account, savings account rolled over and secured. The breakout is ready to be absolutely massive. But for me, a big part of precious metals is just securing wealth, okay? right? It's a hedge. It's an insurance policy, but it's also an offline asset, which is very critical to me too. So uh, with that being said, folks, let's take some Q&A. Let's take some questions. What's up with everyone? How are we doing? Have you smashed a thumbs up yet? God bless you all. Have you got your precious metals? Have you got your crypto? We can get you some Uphold. We got some Qcoin, two exchanges that we're using right now. I use Uphold to accumulate. I use Qcoin to trade. So both of those links are at my website as well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in, and all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.